Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis. We are grinding it out here. We are actually putting content out. My lazy ass is producing things, which is important as a content creator. You gotta have content, otherwise you're just another psycho yelling on Twitter into the void. Had a blog go up this morning, Thursday, on Gotham SN about why the Giants winning two Super Bowls has basically irrevocably damaged the franchise in the long term and why... Things will probably not get better for the Giants until John Mayer removes himself from the football-making process, football decision-making process. And, as promised today, going to unpack the 2021 Major League Baseball season so far. Most teams have played about 150-ish games, 152, 153, somewhere in that range. Only got about a week and a half of baseball season to go here. And we're going to tell you some lessons from this season. Some teams that missed their window of opportunity. Teams that capitalized on advantageous situations around them. Look a little bit ahead towards the playoffs and talk about what might come this offseason where there is the looming possibility of a player lockout. But before I get to the conversation with Chris Schweitzer, I do have to remind everyone to please help support the show. Number of ways to do it. First, subscribe to the show, whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, all the major podcasting platforms. This show is available there for you to download. Subscribe there. Two, Signal boost the show on social media, wherever you see it, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, wherever you see it, signal boost it so other people can find it. Lastly, this is only if you're an Apple podcast user because Apple controls the universe and has a majority of the mobile device space in the United States, at least. Please, please, please leave a review. Go to the show's homepage. Go down to the bottom. Past our recent episodes. There are going to be five clear purple stars. You want to hit the one furthest to the right. That's leaving a five-star review. Beneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. That stuff means a lot to your content creators out there. I say it every single episode. Not just this podcast. If there are podcasts out there you enjoy, leave those creators a review. Reviews help creators. They are meaningful ways for us to show potential employers, to show advertisers that we are ha- we have people who are passionate and engaged with our content, and that makes it easier for us to get better guests and be able to do bigger things with our content. So with all that said, I will see you guys in one second with Chris, and we're going to talk some baseball. Oh, Tony, deep and high and gone at 45. And with that, welcome back, the host of the Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer. How are we doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, baseball season's about to be wrapped up. Sadly, our Mets aren't are really competing anymore, but at least we got football now. They yeah. they they got us to football season at the very least, so can't complain too much. That That's more than we can say about the Mets in years past where the season was kind of over in June and we still had to get through all of July and August before football was here to bail us out. But they got us to mid-August. We got to go to a couple games in August, see them when they were still kind of relevant, see them play some good teams in person. So at the very least, we had a productive baseball season, even if the Mets weren't particularly good. Yeah. So the first thing I have here on our handy, my handy-dandy little notebook is what are your major takeaways from baseball and not just specifically to teams, just principles, ideas, concepts that you think 
we might be able to look back on the 2021 season and say, well, this obviously started to work here. This was a turning point here because there are a few teams that kind of, not that they came out of nowhere, but they did small things that worked really well for them. Um, I think, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's tough because a lot of teams won in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I, there, there's not one, necessarily specific blueprint to winning um but really i think honestly one, one of my biggest takeaways especially being a mets fan it's a lot more relevant is i think that the teams that went in and like went all in at the deadline they fared much better than the teams that kind of half-assed the deadline like the teams the teams that did the half measures and even teams that maybe made big moves but didn't make enough moves I think they they really suffered like the team okay. that didn't do enough to fill their hole. So like the Mets, obviously one trade wasn't enough. Like we all, yeah. we all knew this going into the the deadline one trade, like the Mets needed, they needed a bat, probably two bats. They needed, uh, they needed a starting pitcher and they needed at least like a reliever. They needed at, at probably four guys at the very least the Mets needed. They got two. And one of them, Trevor Williams was immediately sent to AAA. So they really got yeah. one major league player at the deadline. That wasn't enough. The Padres, um, they they made the big move for Frazier, but not necessarily to their to their fault. They weren't able to get Scherzer. Um, he said no to them, but really, like the only other move outside of Adam Frazier was Jake Marisnik. Really. Yeah, I think they got a reliever or two, but still like half measure. Even the Red Sox, like they didn't really make any big splashes. They brought in Kyle Schwarber. They made a couple. They brought in Hansel Robles, like couple <laughs> middling moves, and again they kind of fell off like they're back in they're back in the playoffs right now um they're they're i think they own the first wild card spot and they're two games up in the first wild card but i mean they were they were they were 10 games up on the yankees yeah. in first place in the east at the time like a, a week before the deadline and then now you know now they're six games back at tampa in the east and they're and they're they're barely holding on to it to a wild card spot so you know really the teams the teams that kind of really made an effort to improve themselves at the deadline. I think those teams fared a lot better than the teams that kind of half-assed it and were just hoping one or two little moves would, would, would do the, would do the trick. To me, one thing that jumped out when I was kind of looking at the standings earlier was that the teams who were in good shape in the first half, they all kind of burned out, and specifically their pitching burned out. The Padres have gotten pretty much nothing from their rotation. The Red Sox have gotten pretty much nothing from their rotation. Uh, the teams that have struggled here in the second half to survive are just kind of throwing warm bodies out there on the mound. And as a Met fan, we can both attest to you need someone who's not just a warm body who can start at the major league level if you actually expect to win a lot of these games. I mean, the Padres have one of the best lineups in baseball, but their rotation has been objectively bad this year. The Red Sox, their big trade deadline move was Chris Hale coming off of the DL, and he hasn't been great against good opponents. Sure, he's dotted up some shitty teams. He looked pretty good against the Orioles, against the Mets, but against the Rays, he got shelled. Uh, I really do wonder why it's not more obvious you just got to have as many arms as possible because how frugal that position is because everybody in baseball knows you need to you need at minimum 
probably 25 guys who are capable of pitching at some point during a season to get through an entire year, including injuries and anything that comes up. And teams still come into the season with exactly 15 guys, three sitting in AAA waiting to come up, and you leave yourself short, like the Padres. Granted, I will say the Padres did kind of have a plan. It's just everybody they acquired stunk, and Clevenger was out for the year, which kind of hurt them a little bit more than some of the other teams, but... I feel like we're missing the boat here. If you're not coming to camp with at least 20 big league arms, you're not going to have a chance. Yeah, and it doesn't only affect the starters because like if you only have a handful of starters, like what we saw with the Mets, none of their pitchers, none of their starters have been able to go deep in the games. Yeah. Like I, we could probably count on, on our two hands how many times a Mets pitcher has pitched in the eighth inning this year. Yeah, like I, I really, I can't even think of. I like they, they probably only have like two or three complete games, and I would venture to 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 bet that most of you know most of those two or three are double header games, seven innings, seven yeah. inning games. So it's like it doesn't even really count. This bullpen and the bullpen has been fantastic all year for the Mets. Yeah, but like they're they're lucky. Like if the bullpen was just average, this team is this they're, team is <laughs> bottom 10 in baseball because the bullpen's yeah. been so good. And then when the bullpen eventually does blow a game, you can't even be mad because it's like they're pitching five innings every single night or four or five yeah. innings every single night because the starters just can't go deep in the game. So like you need like you said you need all those starters not only just so you're you're getting good starts out of your starters themselves, but so you're not burning out your bullpen over the course of a season because it's it's going to happen. I mean, look at the Phillies this year. I mean, that's part of the reason the Phillies have had such a hard time this year. Their bullpen is horrendous, and they burned out their starting pitchers because they throw 125 pitches every single start because Girardi doesn't trust the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Zach Wheeler was was a Cy Young candidate, you know, about a month ago, but he's throwing 120 pitches every game, so he got burned out. Like, he's still having a great year. He's going to finish with an ERA under three, but, you know, compared to where he was a month ago – He's like he's not even in the Scion picture anymore. But a month ago, he was probably he, he could have been argued to be the betting favorite. But a month or two ago, so yeah, like it's 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 a slippery slope. You got to make sure you got enough guys. That's yeah, it's very very important. While you were just talking, and I was looking at the standings here in my notes, one thing that kind of hit me was just every team in baseball that's going to win their division is like actually like seven or eight deep in their lineup. Cause I think about when we were younger teams would have like a two ten hitting second baseman, a shitty offensive catcher, a speedy outfielder. Who's only good at defense. <laughs> now pretty much all of these teams have at least seven guys in their lineup who are going to be able to hit 250, 15, 20 home runs, 60 RBIs. I just feel the quality of players gotten better. And yes, that's because the style of the game has changed a little bit, shied away more towards the home run RBI style. But I mean, Houston's lineup is six or seven bats deep. Boston, six or seven. Hell, Toronto, who's probably going to miss the playoffs, has a lineup that's eight, nine guys deep. I mean, they and they might just... have the best lineup in baseball, Toronto. Yeah. You yeah. can really make the argument. They probably had the best offense of baseball. Yeah, they they very real. They can miss the playoffs this year. Yeah. It just it feels like we're get, I don't know if we've reached maximum efficiency in baseball in terms of roster construction, but I feel like of the four major sports, baseball is probably the closest. To, actually, it's bad. 
it's either baseball or the NBA in terms of the most efficient roster construction because I feel like because the analytics community in baseball started so much earlier than the other sports, they kind of have such a head start. And all these front offices are trying to cut costs as much as possible. There was a really long feature in The Athletic that I think it was Ken Rosenthal wrote about why there might be a looming lockout this offseason. And part of it was just, yeah, all every single front office is Ivy League educated math guys who are trying to find the most efficient lineup possible and they're not going to spend on the mid-tier free agents and we've seen a few of the mid-tier free agents explode this year i mean marcus simeon's not going to get mvp votes because otani and um vlad jr are playing out of their minds but simeon is firmly in the third or fourth and in a normal year he could arguably be an mvp candidate yeah i mean and like he was an mvp candidate three years ago he was top three mvp voting in 2018 and he's having a better year this year like an objectively better season this year but like you said, just the other candidates are so far away, far and away ahead of him that he's going to get left short. But even then, he's at the very least, he's going to get a fat payday this offseason. Yeah. I think he cares more about than some MVP votes. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went back and I looked through my notes from the beginning of the season when we did a full baseball preview show. We went through every single division and we were reasonable. We were pretty good with everything. The ones we messed up, Nobody on the planet Earth had the Giants winning the National League West. No, nobody, no. nobody had that one. I can live with that. The Red Sox winning the East, again, the excuse me, the Rays winning the East, plausible, but pretty much everybody figured the Yankees. The Central, we both had Milwaukee, even though St. Louis was the favorite. In the East, I picked the Mets, you picked the Braves. And then in the West, we both picked Houston. So I feel like we've kind of gotten what we've expected this year, with a few exceptions, the Yankees being the most glaring. I mean, the Yankees came into the season as the betting favorite to win the American League, and they've dramatically underperformed. DJ LeMahieu has kind of broken his swing. He's not hitting the ball as hard. Stanton and Judge stayed healthy, which is how you know something went dramatically wrong. The fact that they got pretty much a full season out of Judge and Stanton, aside from a few COVID stints, and the Yankees are still going to be fighting for their lives into the last week of the season. I mean, they're only a half game up on the Jays with 10 games to go, So, and I believe they have a head-to-head series with the Jays, so it's going to be a very spicy last week here, but how do teams that are this well-assembled not play well? I... I you and I have talked about this a number of times this year. I've talked about this with Darren. It's just when, especially guys at this stage of their careers, like pretty much everybody on the Yankees is, this is who they are as a baseball player. How do you have this dramatic of a one-off fall? Do you, do you think, I know I've seen a few people say it probably has to do with just last year being such a weird year that everybody's kind of, you know, behind where they would be in their normal process because last year was so weird. I think I think you can certainly make make that argument. Um, you know, nothing about any of these last two off seasons for players was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's easier to throw away a poor poor performance in twenty twenty because obviously, it just on paper, it was just looked different. Like you know, a hundred years when you look back on it, you're gonna see a sixty game season. You're like, all right, that's just whatever. Like that doesn't count it's a little weirder this year. Cause like you said, it, it seems on the surface like a normal season, but it is, it is still very, very much different from a normal baseball season. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like the Yankees, like you said, if you were to tell me at the beginning of the year, if you were to tell me in February or March that the Yankees were going to get basically a full season's worth out of judge and Stan, I would have told you judges winning MVP Yankees are winning 105 games that yeah. like, I would have put money on that. That's legit. What I would have thought. 
and and they didn't like it's it's very shocking like you said LeMahieu LeMahieu is nowhere near what he was the last two years um Luke Voigt he he I mean he had a, like pretty much everybody but Aaron Judge had a significant drop off and like Stanton yeah. he had his stretches but that's what he is anyway so he's kind of he's kind of normal he has his hot stretches he has his cold stretches but yeah I mean Luke Voigt turned into nothing LeMahieu turned into nothing Gio Rochella like he he even stopped hitting the ball you know Glaber I don't know what the hell happened to Glaber I mean we talked about it when we were at the game a couple Sundays the the Subway Series game on Sunday of course we said it what happened to Glaber and then two pitches later he hits a, he hits a, <laughs> he hits a, a moonshot but I mean he's had like seven home runs this year Glaber Torres I think, two years, I, think in, I think in 2019 he hit 13 against the Orioles yeah, but just just the Orioles, he had like he had like double digits against the Orioles, and now he only has seven this season. And he's been like he's played most of the season. It's it is it is utterly shocking. And like, yeah, they've had some injuries. They they lost Aaron Hicks, but like Aaron Hicks is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but if if Aaron Hicks was the lone thing keeping this <laughs> team together, I think this team has a lot more issues than we thought. So it really it really doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no there's no rhyme or reason for why everybody imploded same with the Mets like everybody on the Mets has had their worst the worst season of their career pretty much I mean Pete Pete technically the worst season but like Pete's been good but like Lindor dramatically bad Conforto dramatically bad like McNeil Dom Nimmo's been okay he's been not not been healthy but like everybody across the board has just been way under what they normally are and it just it's it's it doesn't make any sense it it like like I said, there's no rhyme or reason for it. They're just it's it's just really poor luck, I guess. Uh, philosophically, when you see an entire team struggling like that, are you more inclined to chalk it up to being institutional things like approach at the plate, the way they're coaching the team, as opposed to the individual players? If every single player is struggling like that, or vice versa, if everybody on the team is having a career year, you're more inclined to say, well, they must have figured something out as a team. I, yeah, I, I think so. I think, I mean, we always make the joke that like when teams do good, that's the cheating lab, like yeah. the San Francisco Giants, they got the, I mean, <laughs> they got to cook in the cheating lab. They got a bunch of 35 year olds winning 110 games this season or whatever, whatever the hell they're going to end up winning. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of that when it's a, when it's a large team performance, it's got to go on the coaching staff because yeah. like, what else can it be? Like all these players, for whatever reason, all start to have just, dramatically different performances from what their career averages normally are it's it's got to be in the coach step especially especially when you look at you can see like concrete changes in the coaching staff that lead to this yeah. so like Gabe Kapler was a terrible manager in Philly and I was oh I, my god I laughed when the Giants hired him I was like why on earth would they hire Gabe Kapler this is a joke like why would they do this but he comes in and all these guys they're great like obviously it's not all him but whatever he did something he did worked worked really well um and then on the other side i don't want to i don't want to be one of those people who's like oh the Mets shouldn't have fired chili davis but like yes they were they were they were crappy when he was here chili davis but when they're gone like they at least had some like they've had success with chili davis here now that he's gone and hugh quattlebaum's the 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 hitting coach they've been awful nothing's changed it's been terrible i think you had to put some of it on him like obviously it's a tough job he came and had you know middle of the season or like early in the season and he get a full off season to institute what he did but it's been like four months now and nothing's changed this team this is the exact same team at the plate 
all year. Like it has, it hasn't met. There haven't seen, I haven't seen a single change in this team's approach. They still consistently fail to get hits um, with runners in scoring position. It's like constantly they get runners on base, but they can't do anything with it. And it's the whole year. Um, so yeah, I, I really like. I think I think when it's when it's a large, large sample size, like a large group of players all trending in in the same direction, it's you got to put them in the coaching staff. It, it has to be. Because, I mean, the, you mentioned the Giants, and the two I was thinking of was Cora and Boston, and then the Astros this year, where both of those teams had dramatically different production at the plate this year. Houston's, I don't know, that might have just been a psychological thing going into last year for tw- the shortened season, where pretty much everybody sucked, but this year they have the best offense in baseball. And Boston, going from Renicky for 60 games back to Cora, it kind of seems like everything's back to normal in Boston and Houston at the plate. Both of those offenses are, I mean, the Red Sox slaughtered the Mets last night. I had that on in the background while I was editing, and I, and I saw the one home run Schwarber hit where the ball was barely reaching the apex and Schwarber was already jogging, and I was like, wow, that was 94 right down the middle, and Kyle Schwarber just hit that ball to Eastern Connecticut. I just, you see teams like that where the Red Sox, I mean, everybody who's there, I mean, J.D. Martinez, not as good as he was two years ago. Devers is having a really strong year. Verdugo's pretty good. They've gotten okay production out of Dalback. Xander Bogart's had a nice bounce-back season, but to your point about the manager stuff, I mean, some of these guys just have a feel for it. You can tell Alex Cora has a good feel for it. And I know I like to make fun of Dusty Baker for not understanding inning limits and bullpen usage and that kind of thing and, like, how he ruined both Terry Wood and Mark Pryor. But at the very least, he's got those guys playing hard. And at this point, it kind of seemed, at least last year, that the Astros might be kind of done. Like, maybe they were just a cheating lab team. But now it kind of seems, I would assume they're not cheating again, but it kind of seems like Houston is fixed and Boston is fixed. I mean, that would they would have the biggest balls in the earth <laughs> if they if they started cheating again. I would almost have to like be. I have to like. I'd have to give it up to them. Like if they managed to pull it off again, a whole another season of cheating, I'd be like, all right, fair enough. Like whatever, yeah. do it. But but yeah, I mean, even when Dusty Baker was in Washington, like those Washington teams were winning ninety five plus games every single season. Like they were they yeah. were running they they were like the the one of the teams in the National League. Every year he was there, basically, except for 2015. Um, so, like, he he's a good manager. Like you said, some guys just have a feel for it. He's a good manager. Um, I I don't think it's a coincidence that he goes there and they they start to compete. And I, I certainly think that the whole cheating scandal had an effect on both of those teams. First, because obviously Houston was at the center of it. They had to deal with yeah. all of that. Um, and then and then last year with with Boston, even though. They weren't at the front and center. Nobody really cared. Nobody was booing Boston for that, but they lost their manager from it. And obviously Alex Cora is a better manager than Ron Rendeke. So yeah, I mean, man- managers are in baseball might be, I think in a, in a, in a way they're like the least important manager in sports, but in another sense, they're also like, you, you can't just have any schmuck go in there and get the yeah. job done. Like there, there are certain, there are certain things that a manager needs to have for, for a successful team to be good. Um, but you know, I, I do, I do think there's just because, you know, there's a lot of this game planning in baseball. There isn't like football, you know, like, yeah. like Bill Belichick does way more than any other manager in baseball, no doubt. So it's, and, it's the, the manager's important. And the weird thing is, as we were going forward now, 
teams don't want their manager to have their own independent thoughts. They just want someone who's going to read from the binder and read from the iPad and do what the front office wants them to do. And we're seeing guys like Aaron Boone, like Louis Rojas, who are just going off of the book because that's what the front office wants. And I understand wanting to have that control over the impact of the direct game because unless you're Brody Van Wagner, you're not directing the manager what to do during the game. I just... It feels like we're those two things are at odds with each other, where there's a consensus among baseball fans and people within the game that there is some kind of innate sense that goes into these decisions. Why are we, as decision makers, trying to go away from that? I don't know. I, th- I think it's it's a lot of that these general managers probably just think they, they know what's no best for the team, yeah. and they, they build the team with, with a certain image in their mind. They, they say... I want a team to play like this. I'm going to get players that fit this play style. And I don't know if I can trust the manager to, to accurately represent that play style. It's almost kind of like the money ball scene where it's yeah. where Brad Pitt goes in the, in the art house office. And he's like, he's like, I, you're not playing the team, how I built it to be played. And obviously Art house is not going to do that. Cause you know, like he said, he, he has, he has a job to protect, but you know, it's that's how I think that's really how it is, is like these general managers build a team with a certain idea in mind and they want to make sure that that idea is is fleshed out to the to the fullest extent. And so the easiest way to do that is to just get basically a puppet as manager. Yeah. What team do you think has missed the best opportunity this year? For me, it's got to be one of the two New York teams, right? I mean, we came into this year assuming this was going to be the weakest American League in a long time. It turns out Houston is pretty good. It turns out the Rays, whatever the fuck the Rays do, is still working. Uh, The Yankees missed an opportunity. And the Mets played in the softest NL East they're probably ever going to see. And they're going to finish nine or ten games back or first place. Yeah, it's got to be the Mets. It has to be. Like, the Yankees, yeah, we we thought – like we thought this American League was gonna be bad. Um, but it turned out to not be like this American League is actually pretty good. It's actually very competitive the American League. And especially yeah. the division, they could realistically finish fourth in the division with a very yeah. good record. Like they they could finish what are they right now? They're they're what they're almost they're they're 19 games over five hundred right now, the Yankees. So they, yeah. they could feel feasibly finish 20 games over and not make the playoffs. Like be and be yeah. in fourth place in their division, which is a wild thing to say, but it's very possible. So Yes, the Yankees haven't played good. Like they've lost to teams. Like if they don't make the playoffs, it's on them because they they yeah. lost to the Mets and they lost to the Orioles this year. And those they are lost teams to Detroit. Like, exactly, they, <laughs> they lost, lost to Detroit. Detroit. Like, they, like they they were losing games they should have been winning. And so ultimately, if they miss the playoffs, it's on them. It's not on anybody else. It's not on the Mets for losing to Boston or whoever for losing to Tampa or Toronto or whatever. It's on them. But at least they're having, in general, a, a pretty decent season. The Mets. Yeah. The Mets, they have a, what, a top five, top ten payer on baseball. Yep. The weakest, maybe the like one of the weakest divisions ever, and they're still good. They're gonna finish under five hundred. Like, there's, I don't yeah. see any way this team has to go like ten and one or ten and two over their last, you know, the remaining schedule to finish over five hundred, and it's not gonna happen. Like, they're, it's much more likely they finish with a top ten pick than they finish with an over five hundred record, and it was there for them even at the deadline. Like, they were in first place the whole year. And they were just like, we don't, we don't want to be like, we, I don't know. Like it, it, it has to be the Mets for me. But if, if I also don't want to just constantly talk about the Mets, um, I really think Padres, the Padres could be, 
they they definitely made a lot of moves. Um, and then, but they almost kind of get the Yankee treatment where it's like nobody thought San Francisco was going to be this yeah. good, and like San Francisco beat up on them. I I really think one of the central teams because the central is pretty weak. Yeah. Also, like I think Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati is going to get another shot again because that's true. Castellanos, Castellanos is going to opt out. They're probably going to trade either one of Sonny Gray or or um Castillo. or Luis Castillo, and. Yeah. Once you get rid of those guys, like Votto's going to retire pretty soon. And like, you really, can you expect Joey Votto to have another great season like this? Like he had two, two to three pretty mediocre years before this season. And then he, he had a resurgence. Yes. But like I said, Cassiano's going to be gone. One of your two best pitchers is going to be gone. And their bullpen's still really bad. They got a lot of holes to fill. I don't know if it's going to happen. Like Milwaukee was great. They, they were never going to win this division, but they re, they really could have made the, made a, made a wild card in this, this season. And now, you know, with St. Louis catching fire and then Cincinnati never really putting themselves in that picture um, or, you know, over the last few weeks, like this is it. Like, I don't know when Cincinnati, they're probably gonna have to go full rebuild Cincinnati. So yeah. if there's another team outside of New York, it's probably gotta be a Cincinnati Reds for me. Part of me wants to make a case. It's the Padres, but at the same time, you got, like you said about that, the, the, um, the giants being relevant, which we kind of didn't expect. And, to be fair, though, I mean, the Padres have are like 10 and 24 in their last 34 games. They have been like pretty damn bad for a team with as much talent as they have. And there is a little bit of that turmoil. And yes, it doesn't help that their rotation is pretty much cooked. It looks like Blake Snell is pretty much a back of the rotation guy at this point. You Darvish, Spider Tack Merchant, uh, D- Denilson Lamette has been hurt pretty much all season. Clevenger out for the year. It, it kind of seems like the Padres will be able to keep going forward, that they'll just basically run back the same team, bring in another arm or two, and they'll be all right. But I think what you said about the Reds, this being their basically one chance, I think the Reds is the right answer. Yeah. So the next thing I have here before we start talking about the playoffs specifically, I have playoff expansion because Baseball keeps talking about it. We saw a very, very watered-down playoffs last year where teams that had no business getting into the playoffs did, where the Astros did. The Cubs got into the one game, which was very funny. The Marlins got in. Just I, I there are I I understand the argument from a baseball, the owner side of things, where you can sell tickets for one more playoff game. If you're a major market city, you'll be able to get another one more sellout on your ledger, that kind of thing. I don't know if it makes sense for where baseball is right now because it feels like baseball is so top-heavy. Unless they're going to be one-game playoffs. If they're going to be one-game playoffs, okay, fine, you can expand. But if we're doing best-of-three to see the Reds play the Phillies, I don't think that's going to help baseball. I I don't think that's going to help us get any closer to finding who really should be the World Series champion. Yeah, and it's it's good for the the business side of baseball. For for the baseball side of baseball, it's not good because it really just – it like decentivizes owners to try and win. Yes. Like why, why would you go all in to, to build the best team that you can when you could just kind of be mediocre, have a middling payroll and back your way out of the playoffs every year as the second best team in your division. Even if, you know, you could lose a division by 15 games, but you're going to back yourself into the playoffs just because everyone, everybody makes the playoffs now. And then like owners would be perfectly content with getting the second division spot every single season, they yeah. can bring in a ton of money. They could sell, not even selling extra playoff tickets, but you could sell, you could sell tickets 
you know, all the way through through September, August and September as a contending yeah. team, like we're in the playoff hunt. Like the Mets, if that was the case right now, if, if it was two teams in each division, like what, how, how far back are they? I mean, well, I mean, they're five they're games eight. back of Philly. They're, they're five they're games five back of Philly right now for second place. But like they would have been selling tickets as, as marketing a playoff push, you know, up until just, just a week or two ago, you know, like yeah. they would have been selling that when realistically they, they were out of the playoffs for a while. So, you know, that's how teams would do it. And it, like I said, why, why would anybody really go the extra mile to make your team as good as it could possibly be when you could just back yourself into the playoffs, collect a, a pretty penny every single season. And that's it. Like, that's all you got to do. You just got to be, you got to be like a little above average to, to, to make, make a, a big profit and that's it. So, and why, why wouldn't 95% of owners, worry about anything else than, than just doing that so i don't know I, it's i don't like the expanded playoffs i like pretty much everything else about the rule changes they made last year but i don't i don't like the expanded playoffs and it'd be very much a tale of two leagues because we were just talking about how good the american league east did and like to be fair like i wouldn't complain if we got to see the blue jays the yankees the red Sox, and the rays all in the playoffs because the field is expanded but like i said before that would also mean, you know, the Reds playing the Phillies, the Cardinals playing the Padres in an expanded playoff field. And, like, th- that's not really doing anything for anyone. It, and in a lot of years, that would be the case where you're going to end up with at least one, if not both leagues, having at least one, if not two crappy teams in the playoffs. Like, I know the Cardinals are kind of backdoored their way in here by playing pretty well while everybody around them imploded. But for the most part, the teams that are in the wild card mix in the National League excluding the Dodgers because we all accept the Dodgers really in a normal year they'd be winning the division by a lot but yeah the, whoever's going to play the Dodgers isn't really going to be able to make some noise on uh, granted anything possible in a one game playoff but I don't want to see Mad Max on the mound at Dodger Stadium no matter who what team is going there assuming it'll be St. Louis and God knows who St. Louis will start in that game I don't want to see Max Wayne, right it really might be because I, I think I saw Jack Flaherty is going to be available as an opener or a reliever and they got to stretch him out. So yeah. I don't think it'll be him. And it really might be 40 year old Adam Wainwright again. It, it's that's probably like, I mean, cause that, that was their problem all years. They didn't have any starting pitching. Like they had started, yeah. but they all got hurt. Flaherty was hurt most of the season. Miles Nicholas was hurt most of the season. Wainwright was healthy most of the year, but he's 40 freaking years old. So like, you can't, you know, you can't rely on him to be, to be an ace like that was their big thing and now they're just they're just scoring enough to to overcome that now yeah yeah i mean that that was their problem all year that's why they were so bad all season long so looking ahead to the playoffs i've got the world series odds here so after the dodgers who would you guess had the second best odds if you had to guess which is Um, weird because the dodgers are in a one game playoff yeah no they're they're probably going to be the the wild card um if you had to guess probably i would say i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with with houston but it would be the houston or tampa but i'm gonna say houston yes it's houston then tampa then the giants who i remind you are winning a division and are gonna have home field yeah chicago the brewers then we get to the stupid ones the braves the red sox the yankees and the cardinals so after that first tier of guy group of the mid-tier I really don't hate the Brewers at eight to one with that rotation. I really don't hate the Brewers at eight. to that, one. That's the thing. Like playoff playoff baseball is way different than yeah. regular season baseball. 
And that's what we that's why the Nationals won in 2019. The Nationals yeah. were not the best team of baseball in 2019, but they won because they were better built for playoff baseball. In playoff yeah. baseball, you need three starters and like a couple really good relievers. Like the Nationals bullpen, I think was like 31st in baseball in 2019. But they had they had Sean Doolittle and Daniel Hudson, and they were like lights out in the postseason, and they were great in the regular season too, but they were lights out in the postseason, and those are the only two guys they threw. And they feel like Wander yeah. Swero every once in a while, but like they didn't, because when in the postseason you you don't you don't play six times a week, you know yeah. you play like four or five times a week, and so you get a, you get way more off days, you get way more time to rest rest your guys. You only need three starters. They had they had Scherzer, uh, Strasburg, and Corbin, and then they had their couple elite relievers, and that's exactly what or Milwaukee has. They got Corbin yeah. Burns, they got Brandon Woodruff, and they got Freddie Peralta. They got three elite starters, um, and then they got two of the best relief pitchers in baseball and Hader and Devin Williams. So like, and they give you winnings out of the bullpen too. Those aren't exactly just one too. inning guys. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, these are, these are like legit guys and like Hader might be the best, the best closer in baseball. So like they got, they have the blueprint for, for October baseball, the, the Milwaukee Brewers. And like, I don't know, like they're another cheating. Like, I don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> with their lineup. Like, like Jace Peterson had a grand slam. I don't even know who the hell Jace Peterson Willie Adamas was like, Willie, Willie Adamas. Three- I know. <laughs> For three like, weeks never, there, he was MVP buzz. He had MVP I've never seen a player leave Tampa and become better. It's yeah. like that doesn't happen. But they did it. The yeah. Brewers they outcheat out, like out cheating lab the Tampa Bay Rays. It doesn't make any sense. They did it. They managed to do it. But yeah, like he was he's been incredible since he came over from Tampa Bay. It doesn't make any sense, you know. Like they and, they got and, a good team. They they brought back Daniel Vogelbach. Like I mean, he's not doing a lot, but he's got some big hits for him. He's got more big hits for the Brewers than anybody has on the Mets this year. So like, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like they, I, I, the Brewers, yeah, the mid tier, it's got to be the Brewers. Like I would honestly, I'm honestly shocked they're not a little bit higher, just because I think they probably have the best, the like the the best one, two, three going into the postseason. Like the Dodgers is pretty good, but like Kershaw is, is still like coming back from an injury, and I don't know, but the the Brewers are definitely up there. Like they have the blueprint ready for them. Do you do you think the fact that they have to go through the National League makes them their path a little bit more difficult, and you'd be more inclined to take an American League team with mid tier odds like Tampa at six to one or Chicago at seven and a half to one? Because basically, if you beat Houston, you feel like you got a pretty good shot. Because like I know I know Tampa went to the World Series last year, and they're going to win the American League East. But every time I look at Tampa's roster, it's like, how is this team going to win four out of seven against any good team? It just yeah. doesn't make sense. It does it, not the, make sense. The race, the race, don't make any sense. But honestly, looking at it, like the White Sox, kind of have that same that same blueprint. Like they got yeah. the three elite starters. I mean, G. Ludo hasn't been elite this year, but they got Lynn and Rodon, who yeah. who were both firmly in the Cy Young picture for a large majority of the season. And G. Ludo is good, not that great this year, but he's still a very good starter. They got the elite closers. They got Kimbrel and they got um, Liam Hendricks. They also got Tepera Ryan Tepera from the Cubs yeah. as well. They got a few. They got a few really good relievers, and then they got a good lineup. Like they, they got like they, they have a better lineup than Milwaukee on paper wise. Like I love Luis Robert. I like really like Eloy. Jose Abreu is going to have another 110, 15 RBI season or whatever the hell he's going to have. Tim Anderson's good. You know, Yoan Moncada is pretty good. Um, I really like it. Uh, not that they get. They got uh, Cesar Hernandez. From, yeah. from Cleveland like they got a good team they got a good team they got a good lineup they got the starters they got they got the relievers um they haven't had as good of a regular season as Milwaukee um but again like I I don't think Chicago is a team I would necessarily want to face in the postseason just because yeah. they 
again, they have the blueprint. They have the playoff blueprint with the three elite starters and the elite bullpen. You know, just a couple, a couple of elite arms out of the pen. So, I mean, they, they, I think, yeah, they, they had the, the, the same Washington Nationals 2019 blueprint as well. So I'm looking at it here. So realistically, you're probably you're looking at two out of Boston, New York, Toronto in the wild card there, and then you're probably looking at Dodgers, Cardinals in as the two wild card games. That whoever the American League East semifinal game, which is what we're going to call the American League wild card, <laughs> is a coin flip. Whoever that's going to be a coin flip. Any of those three teams could win that game, and it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest bit. Yeah. I think realistically, I think the Yankees have the softest schedule of the three. I've think if i remember correctly the yankees still have one more series against a team that's not in the division and then i think one of boston and toronto has to play tampa still which is difficult but looking into that potential first round of a i think i think chicago has the best record in the american league but it might be huge actually no it's tampa because tampa clinched already so yeah. yeah So realistically, you're looking at one of the American League East teams against Tampa and then Houston against Chicago. And then in the National League, you'd have probably the Dodgers against the Giants, which would be very fun. And then Atlanta against Milwaukee. I think we got two clear cut semifinals that are awesome. And then the dud ones like I don't really have a ton of juice in my bones to watch another Yankees Rays or Red Sox Rays series or Atlanta Milwaukee. San Francisco and the Dodgers, that's going to be awesome if we get that right off the rip best of five. Yeah, that, that's going to be – That's I mean, they've played great, great games yeah. all season long, those, those two. And I think I think San Francisco has won the season series. They won it – I think they won nine to eight yeah. um, against against L.A. Like, those two teams were about as close as you can be this season, head-to-head. Um, they've both been great all year. So, that's – that. Yeah, like you said, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Houston and Houston, Chicago, that's going to be – that's going to be a lot of offense in that series. A lot of offense. That's going to be a ton of fun to watch as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, Tampa, like they're good. They're just, they're not like super fun to watch, but they just, they just win games. Like like, they they don't have anybody. Yeah. They have a lot of singles. They don't have anybody that really pops off. Like, I mean, Randy Rosarena turned into Babe Ruth last year, but (laughs) like, I mean, he's been, he's been a good player this year, but that's a bit like they have a guys who are just like good players. Like awesome Meadows. He's like a good player, you know, like, uh, you know, this Randy Rosarina, like Kiermaier's okay. Uh, um, who's their other outfielder? I, I can't remember. His, I, I love this guy too. I can't remember his name. The guy they got from um, San Diego a couple years ago. But yeah, I mean, they just got a, a bunch of guys who are like, just, they're just good baseball players. And that's it. Yeah. And like, you know, like Frank, Wanda Franco's great, but I think he's hurt now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that's a big blow. But yeah, I mean, Tampa, they're not fun to watch, but they just win baseball games. So. Something I just thought of while we were talking about the Dodgers and Giants. Could any team other than the Dodgers have survived an MVP candidate turning into a pumpkin like Cody Bellinger did this year. Cause like looking at all the other teams, if you know, the second best or best player on any other playoff team just turned into a pumpkin. I think that team would have been fucked like just outright. I mean, like that's it. I mean, if, if I didn't have an example of it happening, I would say no, but yeah. Milwaukee did it. I mean, Yelich did this. Yeah. Yelich hasn't been as bad as Be- like Bellinger. Bellinger is probably going to get can't play. You but no, Bellinger is actually bad. Like he's actually like he's hitting under. He's like he's hitting one eighty this year. Like Bellinger is actually awful, which is insane because yeah, like he was a he was an MVP two years ago. But um, but I mean Yelich, like Yelich has is a shell of himself right now. Yeah, like, yeah Christian Yelich was was like a batting title guy. He was a thirty stolen base guy. He was a forty plus home run guy. Like he was an MVP. He was everything you could want out of out of a hitter. 
Christian Yelich was that. Like he was, he was, he was like maybe the best hitter in baseball for like a solid two, three year stretch. And now he's like a two thirty hitter. Like, I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's so weird that two of the most recent NL MVPs have just turned into nothing out of out of thin yeah. air. Like they just all of a sudden they just not become anything. But like, honest, I don't know how the Brewers did it, but like, I, like yeah. I, I can see how the Dodgers did it because <laughs> the Brewers don't have Mookie Betts and like <laughs> and 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 Max Muncy. They don't have like other. The Brewers don't have other MVP candidates on the roster. The, the Dodgers have like yeah. two or three other MVP candidates on their roster, anyways. Like Bookie Betts is one of the MVP. Kershaw's one of the MVP. Muncy could win an MVP this year. Probably won't, but like he's in the discussion. I don't know how Milwaukee did it, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it is pretty shocking. And I don't know if anybody else in baseball could do it. I really don't. You just mentioned it there. It's gonna be Harper, isn't it? It kind of seems like it has to be because of the Probably. second half. He he's had he's had an like insane he's in insane. like 1200 he's a, ops in the second half yeah he's had like a bonds-esque second half yeah um he, he really has i think if i think if the padres didn't implode and tatis like been... kept it up a little bit it probably would have been tatis um yeah. but i really don't see how it's not now it's not bryce harper right now I, I think it has to be him it's probably harper one tatis two and then probably Juan soto three Juan soto started out kind of slow to get out of the gate but he's been awesome down oh the yes stretch the, yeah Juan soto's had another bonds that second half he just yeah. had a worse first half than bryce harper yeah. but yeah soto i mean Juan soto is so damn good <laughs> he's like 22 he's, years I, old i mean i don't really care that he's in washington now because washington sucks but like yeah. oh my god man he's so damn good Make the case, Vladdy or Otani, because I, I'm starting to get read a couple of things from baseball legacy baseball people who are like, if it was the best player in baseball award, it would be Shohei Otani. But no player is more valuable than Vladdy Jr. And I'm just kind of like, we did this already. We did the Miguel Cabrera, Mike Trout thing ten years ago. Why are we still doing this? It's it's Otani. Like if it, it was, has if to be, if Otani was just a hitter, it'd be Vladdy. Cause like Otani, he's had he's had a not as great second half. Yeah, but his numbers, his overall numbers are still great. But you can't have a guy that's got a 900, 950 plus OPS, forty five home runs in the season right now, and he has like a two eighty RA, <laughs> and then not win the MVP. Like he, we're never gonna see. Like we probably won't ever see this again out of Otani. Like yeah. he's probably never gonna do this again right now. Yeah. What he's doing this I mean, season, he's pro- he's probably never gonna do it again. None of us are ever gonna see this ever again. Like he has to win MVP. If, if Otani was just the hitter, it's easy. It'd be Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yes, but it has to be Shohei Otani. It, yes, it, and I remember coming into this season. I remember when we talked about the Angels specifically. I said. If they asked you, would you rather have Otani hit or pitch? And you said, I'd rather have him hit, to be honest, because it'd be it's more important day to day because a pitcher only pitches once every five days. And the motherfucker went out and had like you know one of the ten best seasons of any starter in baseball, at yeah, least in I mean, the American I, League. I didn't I didn't think he could do it. I didn't think he could. Yeah. I didn't think his body could hold up the whole season yep. doing both. And I mean, he uh, not that he listens, you know, he listened to this, but like he shut me up. You know, yeah. like he he went out and did it. He did. He went out and he, he hit his ass off and he pitched his ass off. He had, yeah. this is the best season in baseball history. Like it really is. It's, Nobody's ever going to do this again. It's up there with the Bonds stuff where like Bonds had more walks than strike outs that one year. Like shit yeah. like that. Like this is the kind of stuff you tell people about down the road where it's like, is that a misprint? Nah, he pitched and hit that year. He was that good at both. 
Okay, the I, last thing. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 sorry, you're good. All right, so the last thing I have here before we wrap up and talk a little bit about the offseason uh, and move specifically in the offseason, teams with some decisions they have to make, the looming lockout threat has been there, and basically since the last CBA was agreed, I think it was in 2018, we knew there was going to be something this upcoming offseason because that deal was so far in favor of the owners, and we've seen it for three straight offseasons now where the owners have slow-played it, waited as long as possible to bring people into camp, messed up those guys' seasons. I mean, it took Craig Kimbrell a year and a half to get his stuff back. It's taken a couple of these guys to get a while. I mean, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, was that three years ago? They didn't sign until like a week before. They signed in like late March to sign with the team for like, you know, 10 years. Whereas when we were kids, guys were signing by Christmas, the major contracts. I just... I do worry a little bit because the players have been getting dicked around, especially in baseball for a few years now. And I just hope all the positivity and fun that we had with the all-star game, with the field of dreams game, all that stuff isn't thrown out the window, which is very possible this off season. It is very possible. We have an, at least a delayed start to baseball season next year. I, I would be shocked. I think, I, would, I think I'd be shocked if there was not a delayed start. Um, yeah. I, th- I really like we didn't get universal DH this season because owners, the owners wanted to save that as a bargaining chip for the CBA. Yeah. And I think they like, they think the players value that a whole lot more than like, I don't think the player, like the players want it, but they don't look at that as like, Oh yeah, this is a big piece for us. Like yeah. we get this and like, we got to give back a lot to the owners. Like that's not how it's going to work. That's just like something that, they just want in there that's just in there by default and then they work everything yeah. else out around that like that's i think the owners view that as as much a much bigger piece than it really is um and i like obviously it's it's we see this a lot like both of these sides are going to have things they want and it's somebody's gonna have to budge and yeah. we know the owners aren't gonna budge we know the owners aren't gonna budge and i i think the players are gonna have to put their foot down and like not budge for a while so i mean I don't think it's going to like, I don't think it's going to be super long the lockout, but I would be shocked if the season started on time next year. I I would, I I don't think it's going to happen. Of the chips that we know of, whether you want to talk about raising the, um, the luxury tax ceiling or instituting a floor, readjusting how the draft works and making it something a little bit where it's not where they have the budget and changing it, adding the ability to trade draft picks um, the international bonus pool money, making that bigger, what are you looking for that you think would help baseball go in a better direction? Like if you were trying to get both sides to agree to something that would make baseball better, not what would be good for either side. What's something that you really want to see that would help the sport? Is it, I think the floor is the most obvious one. If every team has to spend at least a hundred, 110 million, I think that would help a lot of those mid market teams just not suck outright. Like, there was no reason for the Arizona Diamondbacks to play baseball this season, but if they had to spend at least $100 million, they could have had uh, 70 wins as opposed to 50. Yeah, the, the floor the floor has to be because, like, it it's an, it's embarrassing that the Pittsburgh Pirates payroll right now is, like, $10 million. Yeah. Like, I think they, get, they got rid of Gregory Polanco. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they DFA'd him, like, yeah. a month ago, and he was the only guy making, like, more than, than like, three million dollars this season and he was making like eight mil like they the pirates weren't making they weren't paying anybody like it's it's actually 
embarrassing how how little they tried this season. Like I get like teams like rebuild, you know, they go in the seasons knowing they're not going to go. It happens in every sport, but like you still have to spend money. Like yeah. even even when the Knicks, you go into a Knicks season, you know this seems like, but they're still like spending. Like teams are still spending money somewhere yeah. in free agency. Like they're 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 bringing in players for a price. Like the Pirates didn't do anything. I don't even think they made a signing this off season. Like they literally just didn't try, and that's 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 bad for the game. Just having yes. a team blatantly not care for an entire season is is not good for baseball. So yeah, the salary floor for sure. I really do think they have to fix the draft because like. Okay. The draft, the draft, like it's no, uh, no, there's no other sport where teams will pass up on players that are objectively better than the guy they're taking just because of money. Like yeah. you have to institute a specific a salary for each draft pick. Like that has to be the case. Like what there is like, in basketball and football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that has to be it. Like pick number one makes X amount. Pick number two makes X amount. And like go on and on and on and on and on. And like, if you want to get into negotiations, like, I don't like the, the draft, I think it was only like 10 rounds this year. If you want to make it really long again and after around like 20 or whatever, or like 10 or 15, you're going to make it. So like they negotiate and there's like a limit, whatever. But like the first couple of rounds, like the fact that teams are, are, are taking players that they know aren't supposed to go. And that's about just to save a buck is again, it's embarrassing. Like these, these billionaire owners, crying poor all the time trying to save any every single penny that they can it's not good for the game of baseball because then then it just leads to a point where like only the best teams are going to get the best players because the teams that are willing to spend money are going to be able to buy guys but like everybody has to be willing to spend money like that just that has to be everybody has to be willing to do it so um i i think that's another thing too i think the, i think the draft definitely has to be looked at and has to be fixed because right now the baseball draft just it, there, there's something about it that is not it's not appealing to people i don't think so if you were trying to sell major league baseball and getting your your efficiencies your front office stuff your draft your free agency your trades everybody seems like they're trying to make their stuff more like the nba i know the nfl has really tried to lean into the making everything dramatic as hell turning aaron Rodgers into an entire offseason like <laughs> they would for somebody in the nba I think I think it's for a good reason. I think the NBA has got this down to not a science, but pretty damn close where if a player wants to leave, they can leave. If a team wants to blow it up, they can blow it up in a single offseason. If a team wants to go for it, they can go for it in a single offseason. And I I think part of it is just that the people who are still in charge of baseball teams are very old, they are very rich, they are very white, and they don't want these dramatic changes in a single offseason. But from our perspective both as like media people and as fans it's better when there's more movement when the players are able to go where they want to go where teams are willing to go for it like it sounds crazy to say but like i know it's not going to go well wherever ben simmons goes but like at least the team that's acquiring ben simmons is going for it like at the timberwolves the kings the warriors whoever they're going for it at least that's more commendable than you know sitting on your hands and waiting for a guy's arbitration rights to expire and then just trading him yeah and like i always say my favorite time of the year is the baseball trade on because it's just hectic i think the only time in the sports calendar that's more hectic is like the first three days of NBA free agency. It, yeah. It's, it is, it is like Shams and Wode. I don't think they sleep a week yeah. for like three days. I think, I think they're just like 
drinking black coffee for 72 hours straight. Like, cause I, those guys, they get, they get every scoop and there's, there's so many things that go on and like things like, uh, there are obvious things that we're looking out for, like where, you know, this player is going to sign it, where this player is going to sign it, or like a guy that's on the blocks and get traded. But then there's so many other things going on. Like every, every team in the NBA is doing something on like that yeah. first week of NBA free agency. And it's, it is, it is like chaos for just like a, a week straight. And that's fun. Like for as a, as a fan, that's fun. Like you look at your phone and you're like waiting for the next update and you're like, God, I want to see what's going to happen next in the NBA. And, and you know, free agency. every, every minute you're looking like what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. And that's, that's a lot of fun. Like people want to be engaged. People want things they get excited about. So like, yes, more of that, more of that is good. And so any way baseball can find a way to make its teams more competitive and, 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 you know give them more of an incentive to try is definitely a good i mean it's it's not going to happen to that extent like in basketball because it's not only easy with a smaller roster it's easier to overturn a roster in one in you know one fell swoop but also you know i think i think i people who run basketball teams are probably a lot more forward thinking than people who run baseball teams like anybody who runs a basketball team is much more forward thinking than whatever the hell is going on in sandy allison's head um so they're a lot richer but, too. That's why the basketball owners and the football owners are a lot richer than the baseball owners. Because no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and like, and the NBA has mastered like the social the media. Cycle. Like, yes, yeah. they have, they've mastered it. Like they're, they're, they're even better than the NFL out of them. I'm pretty sure it's just the NFL is just so wildly popular that they, they have this, you know, this, I guess like stranglehold over, over, over ratings, but like, they, the the NBA I think is the is the best by far at the news cycle. They definitely are. All right, so two last things before I get you out of here. Number one, what team is going to have the most dramatic offseason? Um, the Mets are going to have a big one. I okay. the, the Mets are probably like we're probably going to see two of Dom McNeil and and Davis gone. I think Conforto's yeah. probably going to leave. They got a ton of like Conforto, Stroman, Syndergaard all free agents, big guys, all free agents. Um, they, they have a lot of holes to fill the Mets. Um, I think, but I mean, the Yankees probably too, like this is, this is yeah. a disappointing season for the Yankees. And even, even if they make the playoffs, unless, unless they make, you know, the ALCS make the world series, like there's, there's going to have to be really big changes over there. Um, and then, you know, I think, I think Seattle, I think Seattle Ooh. could be, Seattle could be, I think they might make a move. DePoto was one of the, he's kind of like Preller where like they love to make moves and Seattle, nobody thought they were going to be in a playoff picture this year. They're in it this year. And I think they might look at it as like, all right, this is our time to strike. The iron's hot. Our team is good. We got to do something to, to, I don't think they, they really try to win as much, but I think they're going to look at this as like, okay, we have a good base. We got to, add to this and i think they're going to be moving and then i also think i think detroit is gonna i think yeah. detroit's gonna make a lot of big moves as well i think they they got they got the manager in hinch they have a ton of money there's a lot of free agents i think they're gonna make big plays i think they're gonna be on a lot of the big names in free agency detroit i really do i think i think they're gonna be they're gonna be big players in free agency I, they don't have a ton draft or like trade capital wise but free agency wise, I don't think I don't think they they're gonna shy away from anybody. I think they're gonna be on, in on all the big names. Whether or not most of those moves work out, I don't know. So they they it might not be that dramatic of a change, but I do think they're they're really gonna go for it. Um, so yeah, well, I think the Detroit and Seattle are probably the two the two under the radar teams. 
while you were talking there, you just gave me another question. So now there's still two questions left. But <laughs> who do you think we're gonna do a big baseball offseason episode at some point because that'll be a lot of fun. But if you had to guess, who's gonna sign the richest free agent contract this offseason? I would guess Correa. Yeah. I think Carlos Correa, I think he's he's obviously we got all these shortstops in free agency. Um him, Story, Seeger, and Baez. And the benchmark is gonna be Lindor. That's mm-hmm. the benchmark. Lindor and Tatis. That is yeah. that. I mean, that's we see it in every sport. When one player signs a big contract, the next player up at that position signs a similar contract, usually just a little bit better. I mean, that's literally what Lindor did. Tatis signed yeah. 340. Lindor signed 341. Like, I don't know if Crazy signed 342, but I think he could be like 350-ish. Or maybe not the – he might oh – no, he's pretty young. He'll probably get the years too. So, like, he, he's going to be in that range of like 340, 350-ish. And – he's had the best season out of all of the shortstops heading into yeah. free agency. Like objectively, he's been way better than story Seager and Javi Baez. So I think Correa is, 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 is the probably going to get the, the richest contract this all season. If you could pick any two teams to play in the world series this year, not who you think is going to get there, just who would you like to see there? Because it would be good baseball. What two teams do you want to see? Um, at the American league, Hmm. Well, Toronto would be fun because the offense is great. But oh, I that think would be awesome! If Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. To actually, you know, I I was gonna say like Chicago because I really like a lot of the like I really like Eloy and Luis Robert and Giolito. But actually, Toronto is probably the most fun. Like a World Series in Toronto would be a blast. I don't know how that would no no it would work because they yeah they they're in Canada. Toronto would be a ton of fun. Yeah, I go Toronto in the American League and then the National League. Uh. I don't want like the dot like oh it's the Dodgers are the best team but they're in it every year it gets boring maybe Milwaukee probably Toronto Milwaukee fun. Toronto Milwaukee would be pretty fun I mean it's two like not huge markets but Toronto oh, Milwaukee would, would be would be a lot of fun Rob Manfred is running on the field and shooting someone if either of those teams is close <laughs> to winning the the championship yeah. series he's he not letting Dod- that happen he wants Dodgers Yankees he wants Dodgers or but Do- I want I want Milwaukee Toronto would be a ton of fun. I've been saying it all year. I want Dodgers Houston again, and I just want I want some bad blood. I want someone thrown at. I want I want chaos. Dodgers Houston. That would be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming, Chris. This is always fun to talk about baseball. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. I always I always enjoy coming. I love talking baseball, even if we're not recording it and and putting it on on you know on a podcast. But I always always enjoy, of course, coming on here and talking about it as well. Chris, if DeGrom makes one start, we have to go. Just on principle, if DeGrom makes a start before the season's over, we have to go. It's, it's. I mean, they're saying he's going to pitch this year. I don't know if he's going to start or just come in at some point, but they're saying he's going to pitch this year again. I don't know why they would. There's only like a week left, and they're they're out of it. But that's what it's like saying. the year they. It's like the year they used Syndergaard as an opener in a random September game just to sell tickets on a Saturday at a game yeah. in the season was way over. I think that was 2018, or when, maybe or 2017. When, what, Fred Wilpon made Pedro you know, pitch injured with the against Dontrell Willis? Yeah, he was, yeah. Like, he was like, Dontrell Willis is coming to town. You got to pitch against Dontrell Willis. I don't care if your hamstrings hurt and the season's over and we're 10 games out of the playoffs. You're pitching against Dontrell Willis. Uh. Thank God Fred Wilpon is not in charge of my baseball team anymore. Chris, <laughs> before I get you out of here, plug the sports report. Uh, sports report with Christopher Schweitzer. That's me. Uh, it's on HudsonRiverRadio.com every Wednesday at 7 p.m. But if you don't you don't want to 
you know, if you've got other things going on on Wednesdays, it's perfectly fine. It's on a podcast as well. All the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Speaker. Just type in The Sports Report with Christopher Schweitzer. Um, and then I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well, at HRR Sports Report. That's on there. I just pretty much just post whenever whenever the show goes live, whenever podcasts go up. Uh, and then, yeah, you can find my personal accounts on there as well. So go follow that. Go follow me. Go follow uh, The Sports Report. Listen to it. Share it with anybody. Yeah, I think that's I think that's my plug. Thank you. Thank you for that. Of course, of course. Chris did a really good episode yesterday where he started out with the episode saying, I don't want to talk too much about the Giants and spent 40 minutes of a 60-minute show talking about the Giants. <laughs> but it was entertaining. I, I, I felt I felt my pain being conveyed by Chris. I got animated. Was... I get animated about my teams. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I hope everybody enjoys the weekend. If you need the football picks, they're on the Thursday episode from yesterday towards the end. I give you three. Enjoy football season. Enjoy the last week of baseball. This is one of the best. Hell, enjoy the Ryder Cup this weekend. There's good stuff this weekend. If you're not glued to your TV, you're not doing this weekend right. I'll see you guys on Monday.